Let us go to, to the Lord in prayer together. Oh Lord, we cry out to you in, in praise and thankfulness for this opportunity to continue to worship you on this day that you've given to us as we've gathered together for corporate worship as your people, as we've gathered together to fellowship with you, to answer your call. And as we do, we ask for your mercy and your help. We ask that the Spirit might be at work amongst us. We ask that as your word is read and preached, that that all those who hear it, that they be changed, that we would see those who this very night are appointed unto salvation or in the future as they listen, that the Spirit would work and bring that about. And, And Lord, for your people, we ask this very night, in the future, the Spirit would work and bring forth great fruit, making us more and more like Christ, our Savior, whom we love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll turn your Bibles, the Old Testament, to Numbers, chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 27 as you're turning in your Bibles. It's a providential connection as we sang Psalm 24 together, as the question is asked, who can ascend the mount, and picturing our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, a prophetic messianic psalm, but in that as well, in Christ, don't miss that as we gather to worship, we're called to ascend the mount, and we are able to do that, dear saints, because we ascend in the righteousness of our Savior. That's tied in, because we're going to be looking at Numbers 6 this evening, the Ironic benediction. Anyone who's been in corporate worship before, whether it was this morning was your first time or it's been five, six decades, the benediction is something that you are aware of, something that concludes the service. The ironic benediction that we're going to look at uh, this evening is one that the Lord has called upon his Old Testament priests and his New Testament pastors to pronounce to his people for thousands and thousands of years to show a display of his covenant faithfulness. So follow along in your copy of God's word and listen as I read it. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. May the Lord take his his word and tie it to our hearts and minds and bring forth fruit in our lives from it. If you grew up in the South, you, you're probably going to pick up on this connection quickly. If you've moved here, then perhaps this is something you've become aware of. Or, or maybe you find yourself a little bit lost in the middle of these situations. Uh, there's a, a saying that's common here in the South. It's, it's one that, as I mentioned, sometimes can, can be confusing and, and some folks cannot fully understand what's happening and, Perhaps maybe from one or two grins I see on faces you've picked up on where I'm going with this. But uh, 
you've probably said or had it said to you, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Now, the mystery comes for folks who didn't grow up in the South, who can't read the tones and facial expressions and body language. Uh, what really is being said here? It's kind of a, a sliding scale. You know, on one end, which is the good end, someone genuinely is saying, I'm praying for you. Lord, Lord bless you. I'm happy for you. And then you, you move a little bit, a little bit towards the negative side of the scale. So we'll say maybe the middle of the scale. And, and, and there's a little bit of a, uh, I'm praying for you because I'm really concerned about you. I'm concerned about some of the choices you might be making here, the, the lack of wisdom that I see, but, but mm, bless your heart. And then the scale moves all the way over. Probably about as far as we can get. And, and in that point, when someone says, you know, bless your heart, it's a, it's a way that they're just politely saying, I don't, I don't really like you. I don't really know if I agree with anything you're saying or doing right now, but, but I'm going to do what my parents taught me, and I'm not going to say anything that isn't kind. And Bless your heart. So there's a little bit of a, depending, if you're familiar with, this saying. There's a little bit of ambiguity here. There's some confusion, perhaps even, uh, on where one might fall in this. Well, we look at the benediction. It's not that there's a scale, praise the Lord. I mean, it, the benediction is for God's people. So you're either one of God's people, hearing, receiving the benediction, that blessing he gives, or you're not one of God's people. You're outside. So there's not really a, a scale there. But there does seem to be, when you talk to folks, a the occasion that there's some, some confusion about what's going on in the benediction, just like perhaps there's even some confusion in what's happening in the call to worship and, and other elements that we see in our worship services. But one of the things uh, that our passage makes clear to us here, even as we are literally reading the ironic blessing, this benediction, is that God graciously blesses his people by placing his name on them in the benediction that concludes corporate worship. We're going to look at three things together. The source of the blessing, the substance of the blessing, and the significance of the blessing. So source, substance, significance, easy to remember. Uh, years ago when I was in seminary, one of my uh, fellow seminarians uh, actually used that exact outline. I don't remember all the sermon, but I do remember the outline. So I hope it'll stick with you as it's stuck with me. And I give him ample credit if he ever hears this. Source, substance, significance. The source of the blessing. God is the source of the blessing and the benediction. Now, if my youngest son goes to my older two sons and, and tells them they need to do something, perhaps he says, Rose, you need to clean your rooms. Now, they might. They might clean the room. But if my youngest son goes up because I've just talked to him and I said, hey, go tell your older brothers that they need to clean their rooms, then obviously when he says, hey, dad said you need to clean your rooms, then you guys are going to knock that out and you're going to clean the room because dad said to do it. And your younger brother brought that message. He proclaimed it. He wasn't the source of the request, but he was the one giving it, and the source was me, Dad. Well, though an ordained pastor is the one who's pronouncing the benediction, 
It is the Lord's blessing upon his people. It is not a blessing that comes from an elder or a man. It is from the Lord God Almighty. We see God told Moses to have the priest pronounce the Lord's blessing. He, he tells them, first it begins with the Lord spoke to Moses. So, so the Lord is the one telling Moses, this is what I want done. And then when he tells him what he wants done, that, that, the, that Aaron and his sons, that the priests, shall bless the people of Israel. This is how I want you to say it. This is the blessing right here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's very clear. God is saying he, he is the one. He is the source. It is his benediction, his blessing that's being given. And then he even concludes this saying, so, the, so, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I mean, God is being extremely clear. He is the source of the blessing here. It is God who is speaking in the benediction. In biblical benedictions, just like biblical calls to worship, biblical assurance of pardon, many aspects of our, our service, those things that we enjoy as we gather together, we understand that that is... Is God speaking. The call to worship is not the pastor saying, all right, it's time to start the service. It is God saying, come, send the mountain. Come and feast with me. Picture we see in Isaiah. Even as the benediction is God, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much here, but God speaking the blessing upon his people. And thank God that, that the Lord is the source. Thank God that God is the one who is the power behind this blessing and, and not an imperfect but sanctified yet sinful pastor, not someone that perhaps would not be here in a day or two from a, as one of my, uh, the pastor that I interned under would say, if I get hit by a bus this week, praise the Lord that the church does not depend upon me. So that it's not resting upon one individual or it's not resting upon the holiness or the perfection of the man who gives it. Something that in church history, in other areas, has, has been a quandary that's bothered many. Perhaps as we see, sadly, men who commit great sins and fall in, in the church. And yet, we can be confident if you were under their ministry, and the benediction was given, that that was not null and void, that was God speaking. His, he is the source of that blessing, not that individual. God pronounces his benediction a blessing through his ordained servants. Now notice something here. I'm going to read two blessings, two benedictions from God's word. Notice something that's consistent. So we have to turn our thinking caps on here, children. Pay attention. We're going to make a connection Something that we see in the first high priest and in the great high priest. So the first high priest, Aaron, we're going to just turn back to chapter 9 in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 9, read verse 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burn offering and the peace offerings. 
Now we're going we're gonna to go forward to the great high priest, Lord Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter 24. And right at the end of the gospel, according to Luke, a, a passage that we were in not too long ago, Luke 24, verse 50, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. So the first high priest and the great high priest, did y'all pick up on a connection there that happened in that giving of the blessing? Both Aaron and Jesus Christ raised their hands when they gave the blessing to God's people. In those two situations. Now, raising hands is a, as we look to the scripture, we work our way through it. it, it in this situation, it's a, it's a signification of, of laying hands on the people. And laying hands on in the Bible is something that signifies a, a transfer of something that's happening. And there's two examples I think help here. We can go to the Old Testament. Remembering the Day of Atonement when the priest would go to the scapegoat and, and place his hand upon the scapegoat and he would, he would transfer the sins of Israel, God's people, to the scapegoat and it would be transferred. Now think about the, the New Testament. You go to First Timothy and you see that when, when men are ordained to offices of leadership, when they're uh, ordained as elders and deacons. There's a laying on of hands, and in the laying on of hands, there's a, there's a transfer of authority. There's a transfer of God-ordained leadership that's happening. Well, there's a transfer that happens in the benediction as well. But since the priest in the old covenant and the, the pastor in the new, at the end of the service, I'm not going to be able to come out and lay my hands upon everyone. What God has, has given is the opportunity to, to, to raise the hand and in that to transfer God's blessing to his people. So that, again, it's, it's God who is the source. The pastor is just a servant. He is serving our great God and his people. Pastor's raised hand during the benediction signifies that transfer of God's gracious blessing to his people, the source, the source of the blessing. And then from the source, we, we come to the substance of the blessing. The substance that's before us as we kind of get into the meat of, of what is repeated, the benediction that is actually given, what had been commanded, what you hear at the end of corporate worship services. God tells his his ministers to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's the first beginning. That's the first part as we work our way through here. There's going to be three, three parts to this. The Lord bless you and keep you. God blesses his people in Christ. Christ, whose perfect obedience earned the right to receive this blessing. You know, in Deuteronomy 28... In that chapter, there's, there's a laying out of the, the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. And we don't want to, to take away and, and from any impact and the reality that uh, there's not 
uh, that, the God, that God does not expect and, and appreciate the obedience of his people. He's not gracious in rewarding that. But at the same time, as we, we read it, you realize that, wow, none of us can live up to this but Christ. And in Christ, we, we have these blessings. As the Lord says, bless you, an idea of what it means for God to bless his people as you come to chapter 28, and, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your barns and all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself and as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity and the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your livestock and the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless the work of your hands, and you shall lead. Lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them, if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. That's great blessing for the church. That's great blessing for God's people. May about hit everything, everything that we would desire. God's people are the the sheep of His pasture that He sovereignly keeps. We refer to Him as our good shepherd. So He blesses us, and He keeps us. We see, I think, a picture of this in in Psalm one twenty one, Song of Ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the Lord will bless his people, the Lord blesses his people, and the Lord keeps his people. The Lord keeps you, dear saints. It's the first thing. The Lord bless you and keep you. And then, then we come to verse 25, and, and God tells his ministers to say, the, the Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. God blesses his people. By causing them to live in his very presence. It's one of, the, one of the best parts of being redeemed. Is that the Lord, through redemption, reconciles to himself. Those who were once 
separated, lost by sin. That we might have eternal fellowship with him. In Psalm 44, we we see a picture to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Just the first three verses. Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but then you planted, you afflicted the peoples, but then you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm, and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be be gracious to you. God blesses his people by, by being our constant source of joy. Joy through redemption in Christ. Back to Psalm, to the Psalms, particularly to Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And then the third thing in the benediction that that God tells his ministers to say, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God blesses his people by, by paying attention to them. What a blessing to be Adopted into God's family, but not adopted and, and placed in a in a room or a, or, a, or a house far away on the estate, and never to see, never to see your adopted father, never to see the father that we have a heart that wants to cry out to Abba to, but enjoying the attention that he gives to his saints. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, there's a, there's a picture of that, the attention that, that God gives to his people as we read, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Praise the Lord for that. He's in our midst. That comes right under his covenant promises. And he saves. He has power. He's mighty. Those are, praise the Lord for that. And it continues, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. As he lifts his countenance up upon you. So it's not just that he's, it's not just what we see in verse 25 that, that we have his presence and he's being gracious to us. But in verse 26 he's lifting up his countenance and, and he's, he's aware of you, dear saint. He's enjoying you, his adopted child. He's enjoying the bride that he has redeemed. The Father has given to the Son. The Spirit is applying salvation to. And then, and then we see this, not only does he lift up his countenance upon you, but he will give you peace. Because of Christ, God blesses his people. He blesses his people with what we 
we read of is, is shalom. First and foremost, with peace with God, as he's reconciled sinners in rebellion to him. So we're thankful for that. There's peace with our God and redemption. But shalom also brings wholeness. The Lord takes care of us. Going to the New Testament this time in Philippians chapter 4. Just read verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace surpassing your very understanding. And many theologians have noted that, of course, like everything, there's a little bit of back and forth on this, but have noticed perhaps a Trinitarian aspect to this blessing. Even if it's not spelled out entirely, the fact that it is Lord, Yahweh, we know this blessing is coming from Father, Son, Spirit, one God, blessed forever. Father giving blessings that Christ has earned and the Spirit is applying. Reminds us of the great love that God has for his people. Who is the source of the blessing. As we've looked at just a moment or two of the substance of the blessing. Which brings us to the significance of this blessing, of this benediction. God gives to his people. God's benediction of blessing teaches his people who they are in Christ. We live in a culture that's, uh, I mean, a culture that frankly is just confused about who people are. From like the rock core all the way to you name it, there's just confusion. And sadly, even in in the church, there's, there's, there's some confusion here. But one of the beautiful things we see laid out in this blessing, in this benediction, God is being clear, you You, dear saint, you, child whom I've adopted, you are mine. You are mine. Because we are the one that he has put his name upon and blessed us there. Jonathan Cruz, writing about worship, writing about the benediction, writes this. All week the world around us gives us a name. Maybe the name is fat or rich or smart or funny or not good enough or not as bad as that guy or whatever. The world is feeding us lies, telling us who we are, who we should be, and what matters most. And yet a grand and glorious purpose of worship is to wash that away and give us a different and proper view and outlook on everything, including ourselves. The major point of the worship service is to teach us who we really are. Those who are called by God out of sin, cleansed by his gospel and freely forgiven, led by his word and invited to feast with him at an eternal meal. And if all that doesn't reorient us entirely, if that doesn't teach us that we belong to Christ and not to our sin, then God does this one final thing. He gives us his name. 
God's benediction of, of blessing gives God's people his name. When God saves a person, he adopts them into his family. It's one of the aspects of, of baptism, that covenant relationship. God is putting his name upon someone. And then when the Spirit brings about salvation, regeneration, adoption, that relationship is solidified, name is given, we are God's. And the weekly benediction, particularly we see it in the ironic benediction, and, and as God said, the purpose of this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The weekly benediction is to remind God's people. The weekly benediction, God intends it to remind you, dear saints, that he has placed his name upon you, that you were his, that you are the one whom he is pouring these blessings out upon. You are the bride of his son. You are the church. You are the apple of his eye. You were God's. You were not owned by sin. You were not owned by this culture. You were not owned by Satan. You're not owned by the state. And you're not owned by yourself. You're owned by God. And he's placed his name upon you. And from that comes all the blessings that flow. God graciously blesses his people by placing his name on them in the benediction that concludes corporate worship, even as it will conclude our service this evening. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we ask that you would receive our worship. We ask that as your word has been preached, the Spirit would use it to teach us. And, Lord, we thank you for the benediction. We thank you that you bless us. Lord, we thank you that, that it's not just a, a well wish. It's not just the end of a service. It's not just a, a way to, to move to the next thing. But, Lord, it is you placing your name upon your people, reminding us of who we are in Christ, because of Christ. Lord, it's in our Savior's name that we pray. Amen.